Welcome to the Sweet Fire Podcast, where we study and celebrate the lives of women who dare to let their fire light up the world. I'm J.P. Mitchell, your host, author, speaker, educator, and curator of great stories. The Sweet Fire Podcast is based upon the children's picture book, Sweet Fire. Let's get into our episode today. Everybody, today we have with us Brandy M. Miller. Brandy is an international speaker, award-winning author, and the founder of Breaking Open Abundance, where she teaches people to turn their problems and pains into a recipe for limitless abundance. So thank you for being on the podcast, Brandy. Well, thank you for having me. So can you first just start by telling us about what you do? Yeah, actually, I help people find their story, the unique story that they have, and kind of help set the world on fire and turn that into limitless abundance. And most people don't realize that their most powerful story begins with their deepest pain or their worst problem. How did you discover that that is <laughs> by going through it? That That's actually my story. At 23, I was overwhelmed by so many problems that I didn't know how to solve. I just felt so helpless and so hopeless that I'm sitting at the kitchen table looking at a bottle of pills wondering how many of those I have to take so that I don't have to keep hurting anymore. Because mm. I just, it just seems like there's no solution and it's never going to change. And it was bad enough that on the heels of that thought was, well, what's going to happen to my three-year-old if I'm not here to take care of him? I couldn't think of anybody who would care for him the way I wanted him to be cared for. And so the next thought, which I'm horrified to admit was true, was I should take him with me. That's what snapped me out of the depression. That was that, was that line too far for me. And I was like, no, I'm going to fight on my very last breath wow. to make sure that my son has a better life than I And uh, 20 years later, I sit up in bed. It's March, it's Saturday, early in March in 2019. And I wake up out of a dream going, I have problems. <laughs> I have problems. And I was super excited about that fact because the dream had shown me that every problem I knew how to solve because I'd already overcome it from my past was something I could package and sell today for profit. And every problem I didn't yet know how to solve was tomorrow's profit. And I was never gonna run out of problems, but that was good news because I was also gonna never run out of opportunities for profit. Wow. And that was right before the pandemic. So it was a good time for a message of hope. And then this, this past year, what I realized over the course of working things out was that if you can trade it for money, you can trade it for anything. Mm-hmm. A solution to a problem, money isn't the only way to solve a problem. Money is just a tool for solving problems. Yes. If you can trade it for money, you can trade it for anything. All you have to do is know the value of it to the person you're trying to trade it to. Mm-hmm. And so the reason why I asked you to talk with me is because when you and I were having conversations about 
the work you do with authors. I had a specific need that I wanted some assistance with. And as we were talking about that, I began to hear some of your kind of motivational beliefs and Mm -hmm. way that you see the world. And it intrigued me. And I thought, wow, she's a sweet fire. (laughs) (laughs) But can you tell me more about, can we kind of segue that into why this idea of the sweet fire message would kind of resonate with you, even not having read the whole book yet? Yeah, absolutely. Because the sweet fire message is about the fact that we all have a spark of greatness that has been placed inside of us. Yes. Most of us just don't know what that spark is. We haven't. Been. But once you do, it's not meant to stay with you. It's meant to set the world up. It's meant to transform the world and make people's lives better with yes. what you've got. But it can only do that if you share it. Yes. So, yeah, I know that message totally resonated with me because it took me decades to find the spark that I had and to figure out what it was that I could do to help set the world on fire and make it. I love that. Um, So that brings me to the question, you know, when I was younger, maybe in my 20s, I remember reading that Oprah Winfrey said, and I heard other celebrities say this too, that when they got to the age of 40, they stopped caring what people thought. They began to own their voice. They began to own their power. And they didn't say it in those words, but you understand. And so I would be thinking, do I have to wait till 40 to get that? And um, I don't know what it is about those milestone years of 40 and 50 that for women, a lot of times makes us feel like, okay, now I'm official. Now I, I, I've paid the dues. Now I'm ready to, you know, own my worth. But my dream is for our girls to own that so much earlier than some of us have and not have to wait, you know, four decades and, and five decades to be able to own that. I want them to be young and know how to do that. So can you say something about that as well in terms of you know, just the trajectory of a human life and the time that we spend trying to learn that lesson. Yeah, absolutely. I think that one of the things that happens is really young kids know what they're meant to be. They know what they're firing. And they're not afraid of it. Mm. What happens, I believe, is that adults (laughs) steer them in the wrong direction, not because they mean to harm the child, but because they think they're helping them. Yes. Um, a, like a child will tell mom and dad, you know, I want to be a writer when I grow up. And mom and dad, instead of encouraging that, will say, well, honey, okay, you can do that on the side, but that's not going to put any money in your pocket. So let's focus on getting you a career that'll pay you well. Yes. Because their limitation doesn't see writing as an avenue for greater things. Their limitations. Society's perceptions and what tell children, no, your desire isn't really a valid one. It's not going to produce success. But it's society's definition of success that is shaping that choice. And so the, the goal 
I personally believe the goals that we should have with children is stop spouting out what they want to do. Stop telling them that what they want to do isn't realistic or isn't a pathway to success and start figuring out how what they want to do can be. Can be the path to success. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Help them step into what it is they want to do instead of minimizing. So let's talk about that for a second then, because let's say that you're a parent and you have a young girl and you love her and you want a good life for her and you don't want her to struggle or to be limited. Is there any set of words or phrase or language that comes to mind that you think would be a proper response for a parent who might be scared and might be thinking, I mean, I want you to embrace your fire, but not that fire. <laughs> you know, not that purpose, not that assignment. How would you like suggest that they respond when their child says, I want to be a writer, I want to be an artist? Because on the back end of the things, when we find out, oh, that you were a Frida Kahlo or you were a Cynthia St. James or you were an Ernie Barnes or, you know, a, a Pablo Picasso or whoever, we, you know, we'll embrace that. Kadir Nelson. Oh, you, you know, when you're on the other side of success, now we see that this is a valid and we're talking particularly about the arts, but there can be some other areas, too. This, this is a valid career path for you or a valid, you know, walk. But on the front end, it's not very exciting sometimes for parents to see their kids get excited about some of these things. So what would you say? What would be your advice? My advice would be to acknowledge the fact that you have that hesitation. Okay. Acknowledge the fact that you have that fear. And ask yourself why. What is it that's causing you the fear? Because if you think that your child is going to end up penniless and broke if they pursue that and that's your fear, well, then you can find resources to help you address that fear. The reason most artists, most writers don't actually become profitable isn't because their work isn't valuable. It's because they don't know the value of the work they're delivering. Wow. It's like the reason most people stay poor. It's not that they don't have valuable things to offer the world. They don't know what their value is. Wow. And they can't bring it to people because they don't know what it is. And once you know what it is, then what? Once you know what it is, then you need to figure out how to package it, present it so that it's irresistible to the right person and of unmistakable value. to Well, that resonates with me because there is a place that I have experienced that person can get to where you're not striving to prove to other people that what you have is valuable. You might not necessarily know yet how to package it, like what you're saying, but you are not trying to convince someone or even convince yourself of the value of what you do or who you are because you've seen the impact and the impact convinces you of the value. But then even with that, you don't necessarily, to your point, always know Okay, now what is the marketplace value of this? I know the intrinsic value. I know the spiritual value of this, you know, the heart value, but what is the marketplace value? So 
What would you say about how we could encourage our girls, even in that regard, with seeing some kind of a core tangible benefit monetarily to the things that they bring to the world? Well, it comes down to understanding what money really is. Money is a measurement system. It measures two things. The first thing it measures is the amount of trust you've gained from the other person that you can deliver a given result. And the second thing it measures is the amount of commitment that Mm. other person has to getting that result. Wow. So if somebody is a really fantastic, world-renowned dentist and they offer to perform a root canal on you, you're not going to accept their offer. It Mm. doesn't matter how good they are because you don't need what they have. They've got zero commitment to getting. If, however, you have an abscess tooth and they are the only dentist, 1,200 miles with the expertise needed to get that tooth taken care of. You're going to mortgage your house to get that pain taken care of. Wow. (laughs) Because it hurts. And because your life is actually on the line. You know, your life hangs on the threads of getting it taken care of quickly, efficiently, and effectively. Yes. Yes. So to your point, that is what people talk about when they say the pain point, right? What pain point are you solving for people? About my answer to the question that I I asked you, I would encourage young ladies to really be aware, to pay attention, to notice how people respond to the things that they do naturally and what happens when they're, they're not around, when they're not present, what's missing from the environment and so forth. And I think that's something you can really start to notice pretty young if someone points it out to you. Yeah, absolutely. What are things that people come to you for help all the time? If you're really good in reading and everybody in class comes to you for help with difficult words or with, you know, pronouncing things or with, um, you know, spelling, well, I, you've already identified something that you have a value offer the work, you're probably going to make a really good writer, a really good editor, you know, and that's something that you should work on cultivating and developing. If somebody's constantly coming to you for help with math, that's a skill. That's a talent. Yes. That's a gift. If you, if you actually have a gift for teaching and, and other kids are constantly coming to you for help, understanding the work that the teacher has given them that's that's a gift for teaching yes so learn to see what other kids are coming to you for as indicators of what your your sweet fire happens to be yes that's so good um and so my next question was going to be what is one thing you wish society would say more to our girls as they develop you may have just answered that, but if you haven't, what is your thought? No, no. The thing that I would say to girls more than anything is that you don't have to be a man to be powerful. Mm. Women have way more power than they give themselves. Speak on that, please. We are the very first influencers of 
every generation. Literally from the moment the child is conceived, we are influencing their every movement, every thought, every emotion, every, everything that we feel, everything we eat, everything we drink, every motion we move is influencing that child in the womb. And that influence lasts their entire life. There is no one who has more power to influence a generation than a woman. No. And our influence doesn't just end when we do. It continues throughout the rest of humanity. Every child is not a child. They're a nation in the making. Mm. And so if we want to look at power, women have the ultimate power. Don't ever let a man tell you that you're not equal to him in power. Because your ability to influence the heart is a greater power. That people can influence the head all they want, but it's the heart that really makes decisions. Wow. I mean, the truth is, if your head and your heart are not in agreement, your body's going nowhere. Wow. You just dropped a few powerful nuggets there. And say more, please. Your heart is the most powerful asset you have. Don't ever underestimate it. Business people will tell you, compartmentalize. Your emotions are not welcome in the workplace. Look, honey, every salesperson out there will tell you, if you can't grab them emotionally, they're not going <laughs> to. That's yeah. the truth. Emotions make the decision. We justify with rationalization mentally, but we make decisions emotionally. Your ability to influence the heart gives you unique power. It was not a man who launched a thousand ships. It was a woman. That's the story of Troy. So if you're getting confused, it's mythological. You know, I recommend looking up Helen of Troy and go find out more about that. It was a woman's book that launched the Civil War. Harriet Beecher Stowe wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin. The emotions she triggered started a movement that moved millions to rise up where they hadn't cared before enough to do so, to speak up and to say no more. Hmm. Back, you know, when Abraham Lincoln met her at the White House, he shook her hand and said, so you're the little lady who started this war. <laughs> yeah, that's so powerful. And so when you talk about influence, I think that we are so used to in the culture, uh, we're used to visible, loud, um, self-announcing, self-aggrandizing, you know, self-celebrating kind of power and even big personalities. I was under the false impression for much of my life that a big personality equaled power or leadership. And I had to learn through friendship with quiet ladies, quiet women who were friends of mine, uh, that there is a different kind of power that you can tap when you're not a big personality. And so likewise, it's kind of like, you know, metaphorically the same as looking at boys or men and saying, well, look how much space they take up in the room. And look how their leadership shows up and look how tall he is and how, you know, he commands the room and his voice and that's power, but not realizing that we have a different kind of power. 
Here's something that most women don't realize. And I hope, girls, you will take this to heart and remember this for the rest of your life. A man gauges his value and his worth by what he sees reflected back at him in the eyes of the woman he loves. When he's a boy, it's his mother. Hands down, question. When he falls in love for the first time, it's the girl that he falls in love with. When he gets married, has kids. It's the daughter. She is the marshal of his heart. He will bend head over heels to do whatever she wants. When he becomes a grandparent, it's his granddaughter. There is nobody who can bring out of him what that granddaughter can. That love is powerful stuff. Women, you have power. You don't need more power. What you need is to use it appropriately. Wow. Don't squish people. Don't squish people with power. But yeah, quiet leadership. There's something God taught me. I used to want to be, you know, famous and on the front of the stage because I thought that's who was who was really controlling things. And one point in time, God pulled me aside and said, it's not the person on the stage. That has the power, but the person behind the curtain is calling the shots. Don't be afraid to be the quiet voice behind the curtain. Yes. Yes. You know, when you say that, it makes me think about what I talk to my kids about with songwriting. And you go into the grocery store and you hear a song playing, and it might be a song that they used to play when I was a kid their age, right? And so, all these years later, some of these classic songs are still relevant. And I tell them, you want to be the, the songwriter who is still getting royalties 40 years later for writing this song, even though you may not know what they look like, you may not know who they are. Not necessarily the performer, you know, the person who's singing loudly, that's beautiful. But if you can influence with, it's kind of, you know, metaphorically, if you can influence quietly with your thoughts, your words, your ideas, the things that other people sing loudly, then that's a different kind of power than always being the one who is seen. And so I think that that builds a case for why we, we should study what God has given us in the uniqueness of feminine power, you know? And, and I don't even say that in a rah-rah girl power, fist in the air kind of way, because I know there are different expressions of how people speak to the power that women have. I don't, I'm not getting into like, oh, we're goddesses and worship us. And that's not my stance. I just believe that there is power that God has put in us, that fire, that purpose that is meant, as we've talked about, to light up the world. But we won't light up anything if we don't even know it's there. It's yeah. kind of what you said earlier. Yeah, it, it, absolutely. You until you recognize that you do have power, you can't leverage it. You'll see yourself as a victim. You'll see yourself as helpless to change things. It'll result in you feeling powerless, angry, resentful of those that you perceive as being in power and in control over you, hmm. rather than you taking control of your own and your own best. That's, that's a truth. We're going to just let that sit right there. Um, 
You know, I think we've said so much. I had one last question, but you've kind of answered it. The advice for young or seasoned fires along the journey. I will ask you this, though. Let's say that you used to know what your fire was. You used to own it. You used to operate in it, maybe. Or, you know, something happened to cut short your passion and, you know, douse buckets of water on your flame. What would you say to those who are going back trying to recapture their fire? I would say go back and reconnect with the little girl you were that had it. You know, revisit her and apologize to her for letting somebody put her, her flame out. You know, because you you do owe her. <laughs> she had it. You let it be taken from her. And it was because you were intending to let her fire you. It was because you let other people talk you into that not being a legitimate or whatever. You let people, maybe they hurt you while you were exercising your fire. And then you let it get put out because caused you to doubt yourself. Well, that's not your fault per se, but now it is your responsibility. Love it. So take it back, reclaim it, go get it. Know that you're the only one on the planet who it was given to in that unique way. Listen, I think you have done another mic drop here. We're gonna we're gonna let it rest right there. <laughs> I want to really thank you, Brandy M. Miller, for joining us. And can you just tell us where people can find you if they want to know more about your work? Absolutely. I've got a website that breakingopenabundance.com. And I invite people to come on the site. We are in the process of putting the blog together and other stuff, but it's got quite a bit on the homepage that I think will feed you and give you pause for about what you've got and what, what you need to do to get the limitless abundance that is owed. It was made for you. We were all born to have limitless. It's just that we kind of lost sight of our fire (laughs) and have let it be taken. And it's time to take it. Time to take it back. Thank you so very much. And uh, keep letting your fire light up the world. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you have been stimulated and intrigued. And most of all, convinced to let your fire light up the world. See you next time.